Hello, Crossroads family and guests. We are so glad that you tuned into our podcast today. We want to let you know about our website, wherelifechanges.com. There you can find more about church events, ministries, and giving options. Check out Pastor Lee's blog at pastorlee.net. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at crcc underscore social. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash wherelifechanges. We really hope that the message today would inspire and encourage you to worship passionately, serve others, and share truth. Now let's jump into the message. I'm extra excited today. Let me get organized here real quick. You guys extra excited today? Doesn't sound like it. Doesn't sound like it. Hey, I used to, I used to think that the Bible was boring. And I used to not understand a lot of the stuff that was in it, and it was very difficult, and I thought it was dry material, and it was hard to read. And I would hear people say, why are you reading that book? It doesn't make any sense. And the more that I get to read this, this book, the more we have the opportunity to read this book, the more the Holy Spirit reveals how amazing it is to me, right? And the story we're going to talk about today is it, it, it's, it's a story about family dysfunction. It's a story about murder and cover-up, and lying. It's a story about sexual scandals. It sounds like something that we would go watch it like a Hollywood movie or something. And it's in the Bible. It's in the Scripture. So I learned that the Bible is not boring. I learned that the Bible is a book to be read that is life-changing and life-transformational. It says in this book that it's sharper than a double-edged sword, and it cuts man's hearts. And so when, when, when you read it, I challenge you to dive into the word. Don't just read it like Pastor Vanessa said, it's some sort of checklist, but read it and look at every single word. And, and the scripture we're going to look at today comes from Genesis. It's in chapter 37. If you brought your Bible and you want to turn there, you can. I'm going to jump around a little bit in, in, in Genesis 37 through 50. But there's some things in here that just jumped out at me as I was studying this last week. There's some things that just jumped out at me that I want to share with you, that the Lord has put on my heart that I want to share with you some concepts and some principles, and I hope you're excited for where we're going to go today through this word and through the Bible, because it is exciting to read. Amen? Romans 8, 28, it says this. It says, and we know that in all things, ever say all, God works the good for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. It says, and we know that in all things, all things, God works for the good for those who love him and call according to his purposes. Today, I want to go back into the Old Testament. We've been in the New Testament for the last four weeks, and we've been studying Ephesians in this series. I want to go back in the Old Testament and learn and talk about this person named Joseph. Everybody say Joseph. Now, Joseph was a character in the Bible scriptures, the son of Jacob, and he came from a very dysfunctional family. Came from a very dysfunctional family. Joseph's father was Jacob. His mother was Rachel. Has, and, and the scripture starts us out right away, and it says this. In verse 2, this is the account of Jacob's family line. Jacob was a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers. The sons of Bilah and the sons of Zilpah his father's wives. So right then and there, that's just strange, right? His father's wives. Wives, plural, right? He had multiple wives. He actually had four, four wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. 
So we learn right away, Joseph was 17, and I'm trying to, when I read this scripture, I try to get into it and understand kind of what's going on. Joseph was 17 years old, and he's out in the field tending the flocks, and he comes back and he brings a bad report about his brothers, a little tattletale. That's what I thought about. He's a tattletale. He's telling on his brothers. We don't know from the text what they did right away, but we know that he came and he brought a bad report about them. He's a tattletale. He's a 17-year-old tattletale. I want you to think about yourself when you were 17. And, it, and he had 12 brothers, or he was one of 12 brothers, rather. He had 11 brothers, right? He was a tattletale. I see my, 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 my Rodriguez family right here. Any tattletales in that family, Nikki? Never, Never right? We, 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 we tattletale sometimes, right? And so they gave, he came back, he gave a bad report about his brothers. And so right off the bat, we, we, we get a glimpse that the family is a little bit dysfunctional. It says, and then it says, now Israel, in verse 3, Love Joseph more than any of his sons because he was born to him at an old age. He made him an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and they could not speak a kind word to him. So we have Joseph already and it tells us that his brothers didn't like him. They says they couldn't speak a kind word to him. It says that they hated him. Right in the scripture, it comes right out. But his father, Jacob, loved him. He made him an ornate robe. In the King James Version, it says that's a robe of many colors, a beautiful, ornate, many colorful robe. But it says his brothers hated him. And then it says this, and, and, and I think it's funny, and I want to have some fun today because I believe we need to have some fun in church. It said Joseph had a dream. Everybody say dream. And when he told his brothers, they hated him all the more. They hated him even more. They called him later on in the text. They said, you dreamer. They hated him even more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. He said, we were in the fields and we were binding sheaves of grain in the fields. We were binding these sheaves of grain. And he said, and as we were doing this, my grain stood up. My sheep stood up tall. And he said, and your grains bowed down to my grain." That's what his dream said, right? And so we see Joseph, he's 17. I'm thinking, when, when I read this, I'm thinking, maybe he's a little 17-year-old, little arrogant guy. You know what I mean? He's 17. He's got all these brothers. His father loves him more. They've seen that. And it says he, in his dream that he's, the, the grain represents his brothers. They bow down to him. Bow down to him. His brother said to him in verse 8, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And then the fourth time, it says, and they hated him even more because of the dream that he had. These brothers did not like Joseph. The author of this text makes it clear that the brothers did not like Joseph at all. Then he had another dream. Joseph, this dreamer, has another dream, right? You know, I think it's important to share our dreams with people. It's important to tell people what's going on. But I think there's also a value in maybe just getting a journal and writing it down in a journal, keeping it to myself. You know what I mean? And so he shared this dream. Not everything is meant to be shared on Facebook. Not everything is meant to be shared on social media. Not everything is meant to be told what God has told you to everybody. Sometimes that stuff is for you to keep for yourself. But this particular instance, Joseph said, I'm going to share it. So he shares this second dream. In this second dream, it says the sun and the moon and all the stars worshipped. Joseph's father and his brothers rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? In verse 10, will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? And now his brothers went from hating him to being jealous of him. 
This is went from hating him to being jealous of him. But it says his father kept these matters in mind. So as we progress through this story, through this scripture, we get into Joseph being sold to his brothers in slavery. And Joseph is talking to his father, and his father sends him out to the field to meet his brothers. And his brothers see him coming from a long way off, it says in the scripture. It says they see him from a long way off. How do they see him? It says they see him before they could recognize him. They saw this ornate coat. They saw the coat that Joseph was wearing, right? So they saw him coming from a long way in this ornate, colorful robe, this tunic. They saw him coming, and they hated him so much, and they were jealous of him. And what did they say? They devised a scheme to throw him into a cistern, throw him into a pit. That's what they wanted to do. They wanted to throw him into a pit and leave him there. They had this plan. Isn't it something how hatred and jealousy, what it can do? This is his own, their brothers, flesh and blood. And the hatred and the jealousy of him being loved more by his father, being a tattletale, the, the, the hatred and the jealousy that they felt made them want to kill their own flesh and blood. They wanted to kill their own flesh and blood. Luckily, the, trip, the scripture tells us that Reuben heard this in the conversation in verse 21, and it says, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood but let's throw him into the cistern here in the wilderness. Do not lay a hand on him, Reuben said, this to rescue him and then take him back to his father. So Reuben wanted to rescue him. Reuben wanted to rescue him. Reuben didn't have the courage to stand up and do the right thing, though. You see, Reuben tried, and he failed. And so he gets thrown into the pit, and then there's a caravan of Ishmaelites coming, a caravan of Egyptians coming, and it says that they had spices and myrrh, and this caravan comes, and... Judah gets this idea, he said, let's sell him for 20 shekels of silver. Let's sell our brother to these guys. Let's not have this blood on our hands, but let's sell him to the Egyptians. So they pull him out of the pit, they sell him to the Egyptians, and the scripture says, Joseph went to the land of Egypt, where he became a servant to Potiphar. And then if you fast forward to verse chapter 39, it says, Jacob, Jacob, Joseph, I'm sorry, was taken down to Egypt, and then Potiphar, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard bought him from the Ishmaelites. So he bought him. So what have we learned so far? So far we've learned that Joseph was a dreamer. He had dreams. We learned he was a 17-year-old. He may, might have been a little arrogant in his dreams. He came from a family of dysfunction. He was sold by his, his brothers hated him. Brothers hated him. He was thrown into a pit. He was pulled from a pit. He was sold as a slave. And now he's in this foreign land of Egypt as a slave to Potiphar. That's a lot of things that happened to a poor 17-year-old. He's only 17. But this is what I thought was astounding. In chapter 39, in chapter 39, verse 2, it says the Lord was with Joseph. So that he prospered and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in the eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of the household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. 
With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. So Joseph, the Lord was with him. He didn't, this is a story of grace right now. Joseph didn't earn it. It doesn't say he did anything. It just he didn't even, it doesn't even say Joseph asked for the dream. It just said that he had this dream. His brothers hated him. They threw him into the pit. They sold him into slavery, but the Lord was with him. Isn't it something how when we're in the deepest, darkest pits, God is still with us? Even when we don't deserve it? Even when we're like Joseph and we didn't earn it? And Joseph didn't do anything wrong. And he might have been a little arrogant. He probably might have kept his, his dreams to himself. Maybe he should have kept them to himself. Maybe he shouldn't have bragged a little bit about his dreams. But other than that, he didn't really do anything wrong. But the Lord was with him. So he goes from a 17-year-old shepherd to a 17-year-old servant. And he was blessed by the Lord. But the story doesn't end there, you see. Potiphar had a wife. Potiphar had a wife. And the Bible says that Joseph was a handsome man. Everybody say handsome. He was a handsome man. And it says that he was well built for a young 17-year-old. He was well built. And his master's wife took notice of him. And she told him, come to bed with me. But Joseph refused. And in the scripture, it says not only did he refuse, but he said, I cannot do this sin that is against God. He said, my master has put me in charge of everything in the house. He has entrusted me to everything that there is except for you, Potiphar's wife. And I cannot do this. I cannot go to bed with you. I cannot sin against my master. But more importantly, I cannot sin against God. And when I, when, when I, when I was studying this, I was thinking, what power did Joseph have through the Holy Spirit to not succumb to that pressure? In fact, it says that Potiphar's wife was persistent. She kept on bugging him. She kept bugging him, bugging him. And it says in the text, and I love it, it says he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. So he was above reproach. He refused to even be near her or be around her, it says. He was trying to do everything he could to maintain his integrity as a servant. And now I'm thinking, he's a slave. And we got we to gotta think Potiphar was the captain of the guard. So she was probably a good-looking woman. She's probably a good-looking woman. And Joseph is able to say, not today, Satan. Not going to do it. Right? Not going to happen. Na, 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 na. Right? He was able to, to say no. But she kept pressuring him. She kept pressuring him. If anybody had a reason... To let their disappointment lead to disobedience, it was Joseph. If anybody had a reason to let their, because he was disappointed. He had this dream that he was going to rule. He's 17 years old. He goes from being the loved brother to a slave. Disappointment. But he didn't let his disappointment mess up his destiny. He stayed away. What happened was one day when there was no one around, he went into the house that he was serving in, and Potiphar's wife again grabbed him this time and said, come to bed with me. And Joseph said no, and she grabbed his cloak, and that, the cloak that Potiphar gave him, we can assume, and it fell off of him, and he ran out. He ran from that sin. He ran away from that sin. He said, no, again, not today. And she screamed, and the other attendants came, 
When Potiphar heard of this, it says he was enraged with anger. He was angry. It said that Potiphar's wife said that this, this Hebrew has come to make sport of us, to play games with us. And she was lying. Joseph wouldn't even go near her. And she grabbed him. But Joseph was not disobedient. And he didn't let the disappointment that kept happening affect his relationship. And then it says, later on in the text, it says he was thrown into prison. Joseph's master in verse 20 took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while he was there in prison, it says this again. It says the Lord was with him. It says the Lord was with him. Joseph didn't do anything wrong. And now he went from being a hated brother, hated brother, to the pit, sold into slavery, lifted up as Potiphar's servant. Now he's in prison. And in the text, it doesn't give us an exact year of how long he spent in prison, but most theologians believe he spent about 11 to 12 years in prison. He spent about 11 to 12 years in prison. And if you go through and examine the rest of this scripture, if you go through and examine chapter 41, which we're not going to read today, and 42 and 43, 44, he, until he gets out of prison, he doesn't complain. He never has pity for himself. He never has sorrow for himself. He doesn't let his disappointment turn to disobedience. And so when I think about that, I think about us. We will justify our own disobedient actions based on what other people did to us. We will say, well, they said this about me, so I'm going to do this. Or they hurt me, so I'm going to hurt them. And Joseph went through all these things. And what can we learn from Joseph? We can learn a lot from him, but we can learn that God was working all things for the good. God was working everything for his good. And as we, as we read on, this could be a whole series, as we read on, the cupbearer and the baker go into to the prison, Pharaoh gets mad at them, and then they, Joseph interprets his dreams, and he tells the cupbearer, you will be restored to your position in three days. That happens. Joseph says, remember me. Don't forget about me here in prison. I've done nothing wrong, but remember me. Don't forget about me. Come and rescue me, help me. Once you're restored to your, your high position, Cupbearer forgets about him, forgets all about Joseph. Two years later, Pharaoh has a dream. He has a dream about some cows, some fat cows, some skinny cows. Joseph is remembered by the cupbearer. He says, he says in, the, in the scripture, he says, forgive me for my shortcomings, king. And he remembers the person that can interpret dreams. And Joseph says, I can't do it, but God can. He's still giving glory to God. He's in prison now to this point. It's about 12 years, 17 years old. He's been in prison for about 12 years. Pharaoh brings him out. He shaves, gets cleaned up. He goes before Pharaoh, interprets Pharaoh's dream. Pharaoh makes him second in command of all of Egypt. He just went from the pit to the palace. Just went from the pit to the palace. And then it talks about his brothers and reunification with his brothers and all that stuff. But the scripture that I want to look at from the Old Testament that I want to close with comes from verse, chapter 50, verse 19. His brothers sold him into slavery. His brothers betrayed him. 
His brothers covered it up and lied. Joseph, his brothers come to him when he is in charge of all of the food and the grain in Egypt during these seven years of famine that you can read about in the book. And they come to him when his father is dying. And his brothers come to him and they throw themselves down before Joseph. And they say to him, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, do not be afraid. Again, he's giving glory to God. He says, am I in the place of God? He says, you intended to harm me. You intended to harm me. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then do not be afraid. I will provide for your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. We started out in Romans 8 that says he works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. We close with a, the parallel or a parallel scripture that, that talks about what the enemy meant for evil, God turned it for good. When you're going through stuff in your life and you're disappointed, you see, the Bible doesn't tell us that our lives are going to be perfect. It doesn't teach us that. We're going to face trials. We're going to face struggles. We're going to have ups and downs. And we're going to have some issues, just like Joseph did. But when you have those issues, when you have those issues, don't let your disappointment lead you to justify disobedience. Don't let your disappointment in the things that happen lead you to justify disobedience. What they say or what she said or what they did or how they did it or how they acted or, or whatever that looks like in your life, we're quick to justify and we're saying, well, and, and Joseph could have done it easily. He could have said simply, it's easy. I'm going to sleep with his wife. He put me, he's my, he's my master. He made me a slave. I'm going to sleep with his wife. And he didn't. He didn't let his integrity be compromised. He didn't let his disappointment, which we have to assume he was disappointed, affect his obedience to the Lord that stayed with him in the pit, from the pit to the palace that stayed with him. And it says the things that you intended to harm me, God meant for good. Now that is, that takes, for us to understand that, that takes a certain level of spiritual maturity. To say, okay, God, I'm disappointed right now. I had this dream I was going to rule. All these things were going to happen. It was going to be good, and I'm in the pit. Anybody ever been in the pit? Just me? Amen? I'm in the pit. But what the Joseph, we can learn from him, is that God is still working, and he's making a way. Even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it, even when we don't understand it, he's still working all things for the good of those who love him. And he's not giving up on you. He goes with you into the prison. He goes with you into the pit. He is there for you. Joseph didn't do anything to earn it. That's grace. That's grace. Do you receive that today? Do you receive that grace today, that love, that even when you're in the worst place, and some of us are in bad places today. Some of us watching online, I hope you're sharing this. Hope you're watching, hope you're paying attention. Some of us are in, are in the pit today. We're hurting. It's a rough world. It's not easy. But like we sang earlier, the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. And like we're going to sing now, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Because God has not left you. And he has not forsaken you. And just like Joseph, he is there. But we can't let 
the disappointment of what we thought was going to happen or how we thought it was going to be affect our obedience to the Lord. Amen? Amen. Would you stand and I'll pray with you. My prayer today is that through the lessons of Joseph, and, and, and I encourage you to go back and read the entire 37 through 50, because there's so many good nuggets in there. We could do a whole sermon series for weeks on just the life of Joseph. But what do we learn from today is that he did not allow, he didn't justify being sinful based on what had happened to him. And some of us, we do that. We say, it's okay for me to, to be mad at that person, to hate them to be angry with them, to lose my temper, to drink, to, to, to do the sexual sin, whatever that looks like. It's okay because of what they did. No, it's not okay. It's not okay. Amen? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time and I thank you for today, Lord. Lord, I just ask for your blessing over everybody that is here today and everybody watching online. And everybody that's going to see this video, that from Joseph, we would learn that it, the message of Joseph isn't just about a, a, a dream and following your dreams, Lord, but it's about being obedient even through the disappointments of life. Lord, it's a story of your grace. It's a story of how your son, Jesus, was condemned and crucified and hated yet he still loved. And we can see many parallels to your son Jesus in the story of Joseph. But like Joseph, your son died on the cross and he was hated like Joseph so that we could be forgiven. Joseph eventually forgave his brothers. He brought them to repentance. And I pray today, Lord, that the word in this Bible that cuts sharper than a double-edged sword would bring us to repentance. That any disobedience we have in our lives, any disobedience we have in our hearts, any disobedience we have in our minds, we would lay it all down today, Lord. Because through you, we can have the victory. The wages of sin are death, and there's a constant state of death around us, but because of you, we have spiritual life. So today, Lord, as we continue to worship you, continue to give you all the praise and all the glory, I pray we would continue in a spirit of thanksgiving, of thankfulness for who you are, for what you've done. and for giving us the power to stay obedient even in the disappointment and not justify our sinful actions because we feel sorry for ourselves, we feel sorry for what they did to us. Lord, be with us as we continue to worship. We love you and we praise you. We give you all the glory, Father God. We don't do any of this for ourselves, Lord. We do it to glorify you and to advance your kingdom. And so we love you today. Everybody said together, amen. Hey, I just wanted to say thank you for your time and listening today. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and share us with your friends. 
Also, remember to follow us on social media. If you ever find yourself in the area, we would love to see you on a Sunday morning at 1040 a.m. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.